Hello and welcome to Underqualified Thoughts. This is a podcast where my brother-in-law and I talk about our daily lives. You can expect to overhear our authentic and relationship-building discussions that are going to serve as a time capsule for the early years of our families, our careers, and our pastimes. We may not be experts, but that won't stop us from sharing our thoughts with each other, as well as all of you tuning in to listen. We will share our unique perspectives about life, its newness, and the tension it brings. So join us as we dive into some underqualified thoughts together. My name is Andy and I'm sitting with Caleb. What we're going to do today is we're going to dive in and get to know Lauren a little bit better, both ourselves and you listening. So what I didn't do is have the intro pulled up that I was going to share about Lauren. So let me get to that now. Lauren is our third guest on the pod, but the first who isn't an avid listener. Lauren convinced me to ad-lib a speech in front of 500 people and made it 5,000 times better when we were in college. Lauren, like Caleb, is a transitioning teacher, except in her case, she's transitioning into teaching. Lauren's teaching roots go back to when she tutored Chuck Clark. Chuck went on to graduate, (laughs) thanks to Lauren's help, and is about to enter his seventh season in the NFL. Last but not least, Lauren is fluent in sign language and is a former surfing competition champion. Lauren, thank you for joining. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. That's funny. Can you confirm Chuck. that can you confirm that all those facts are true? No. Oh my gosh, no. I would not use the word fluent at all. Um, but I appreciate you saying that. And the surfing thing is funny because that was a fact that I gave during Two Truths and a Lie. So that is not true either. So um, I remembered it, which is my brain is stupid how it works, because I remembered that you did two truths and a lie on our way down to big break in college. Yeah. And I was like, I know she mentioned something about sign language. And I know she mentioned the surfing competition. And I do not know which one of those <laughs> were the truths and which one were the lies. So I was like, I'm just going to throw these two things as they're true and hope that they actually are. Okay, the the truth is that sign language is a part of my life. My grandmother is deaf. My mom is fluent. Um, I am proficient, maybe. I was definitely not a surfing champion, though. That is that is a falsehood. So but you surf? She says she surfs. No, I mean I've done it about twice and twice more was... than me. Where? I mean, where where are you from? <laughs> I'm from Virginia. Um, I was at Virginia Beach. Does that not count as surfing? It was a surfboard. Caleb is not from this country. He is from Texas. And so he's very confused about how beaches work. You can't surf on the East Coast. Yes, you can. The East Coast Surfing Competition Championship, whatever they call it, is in Virginia Beach. For babies? For Okay. So this is this is how this is going to go. We're going to go on so many tangents. I mean, she said she was surfing. The, so like, I don't know how the you East Coast like... the East Coast waves push you, and the West Coast waves pick you up. Oh, and so East Coast waves are smaller, but they still exist. Hmm. So <laughs> then, do you remember what that third actual fact was from that two truths and a lie? I do. I, I think I remember it because there's one that I always say um, when I play that game. But I, I feel I'll tell you after. I oh. feel like I shouldn't say it on this podcast, but love it. Yeah. 
classic nothing was off limits until it became off limits <laughs> love it <laughs> i know i kind of want to text you right now and tell you just so that we could all laugh about it but anyways all right so thank you for clarifying that truth matters so act, people actually knowing that you're not a surfing competition competition champion is great um, that's right that's but right but you did tutor chuck clark and he is going into his seventh season in the nfl that i will take credit for I did tutor Chuck. Would Clark. you like to answer Caleb's question? He asked, "Who is Chuck?" Yeah, who's this dude? Yeah, Chuck Clark was a former Virginia Tech football player, and he and I were in one class together. And I often would be the note taker for athletes in my classes. I don't know how I ended up getting that role, but anyways, I was the note taker for Chuck first, and then he needed some extra help in the class, so he and I would meet up occasionally. And it was like my claim to fame. Like I told everybody about this endeavor. Which is and why then I know at the football it. games, I'd be like, "There he is, like Chuck, my friend. Like we're so close." We would be cheering for like the team in general, and then like anytime someone did a good play, but like. Chuck played defense. The ball wouldn't even come near him. And she'd be like, great job, Chuck. You're doing great out there. It was hilarious. Big fan. Are you confused by this? No. This is just really good. No. You you had a very yeah. different college experience than we had. Yes. Um, it was definitely different. And then, so one of them that I threw on here, which I feel like you would have forgotten. So this goes into what we are going to do next. Is just you're going to explain how you know us. And the answer is, you know me, and you have no clue who Caleb is. But in more detail, so do you know what I'm talking about when I say that you convinced me to ad-lib a speech in front of 500 people? No, I don't remember that. So this is a great story, and you don't even know this. So before we dive into asking you questions about your life, I guess this somehow has become about us. So you remember, what is one of like the most ridiculous things I did in college, uh, in your memory? Let's see if you can get this. Oh, my gosh. I feel like you did a lot of ridiculous things in college. Thank you. I appreciate that, Clout. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you're getting at. So when we did a fundraising effort in college, I knew we could raise more money if I had people vote for what they wanted to put their money towards. So we were raising money for a world team, and I said, you have two buckets to donate in, and you get a vote whether I dye my hair or I get a spray tan. Oh, and I ended up getting a spray tan. And so after that happened, I go up to present or just explain, like, you thank everyone for all the money they gave, say how much money um, that we ended up raising. And then, like, we gave it to someone to help them go on a summer mission. And I'm giving this like at the time, like I was giving a pretty dry, like reading off a script speech. And then Lauren is sitting front row and she makes a motion to me, which was like because the spray tan was such a ridiculous process. Like I had like this whole story about how like kind of like that moment from friends where Ross like doesn't turn around and he gets sprayed like eight <laughs> times in the front. I'm like, please don't let that happen to me. And like, so I basically I was going up there just giving a dry speech and Lauren motioned to me like one of the mannerisms that I did when I was telling that story to friends. So then I ended up just telling that story in front of 500 people and everyone was laughing and it made the thing like 5,000 times better. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so funny. I completely forgot about that, but that was one of your shining moments, I think. Why, thank you. Oh, yeah. Being able to tell people that I didn't put my arms far enough out so that (laughs) the spray tan, there was like a line down my ribs where it was orange and then it went to my skin color because I didn't move my arm out of the way far enough. That was the 
motion that Lauren made to me for me to be like, oh, I need to tell this story. This is great. How long ago is that? So here's a great point. Lauren knows us because Lauren and I, um, come August, Lauren and I will have known each other for a decade. Dang. But so this... Was that like your freshman sophomore year or something? No, it was my junior year. So this happened like eight years ago. Hmm. That's crazy. It's a long time ago. Wow. I know. That's what uh, Lauren will get into it. I was like, uh, barely born. Has been on... <laughs> Caleb, when he moved here, I think you... Were you turning 21 or 22? Uh, 22, I think. So, but then for the next two years after that, anytime it was Caleb's birthday, I couldn't remember how old he was. And for some reason, my brain just kept telling me he was 22. So now we make the joke where we're like three years apart, but we make the joke that like I'm almost 40 and he's just entered his 20s. (laughs) So, yes, we are old. Lauren and I are boomers. Um, And so, yeah, Lauren, any more context on how you know me anymore? wacky crazy stories or background you want to give the people yeah i mean for those who don't know andy and i met in a campus ministry called crew which at virginia tech where we graduated is humongous like i i think when we first started it it was probably over 400 people would you say yeah so basically the the classroom that we would meet in like the first week of the year was always packed out. Like there weren't even seats left and that classroom can sit over 500 people. And so basically, you know, it have its ebbs and flows. It start off like probably around 600. Then, you know, once you get near finals, it's probably dipping down to like that 400 mark. And then yeah, things like that. Yeah. But within crew, there was like a little subset and it was every week there's a prayer meeting for freshmen and sophomores And Andy and I both ended up on leadership for that prayer meeting. And I think that's where we actually got more proximate to each other and became closer friends. Um, And then our friend groups just overlapped over time more and more. So, yeah, Yeah, we got history. Because then we did servant team together, which was junior. No, was sophomore and junior year. Which then means I got my spray tan sophomore year. But whatever. One year off. Um yeah, so that's how Lauren and I know each other. Class of 2017, go Hokies, down with mm-hmm. UVA. Nothing against them personally, just it's a big rivalry, and I still hold on to it to this day. Me too. Everything against them personally, <laughs> I hold on to it as well. Dude, anytime people in Charlotte are like, Charlottesville's a really great place to visit, I'm like, no, it's not. It's awful. <laughs> I was like, I hate the Ivy. Trash. I hate everything about it. And they just look at me weird. I'm like, you don't understand. It's like how people are with UNC Duke down here or Clemson, South Carolina. So it's perfect. That is great background. Uh, And then would you like to give some context on how you know Caleb? Yeah, Caleb and I actually, no, I've never met Caleb, but I did listen to a podcast. I had known prior to this very moment that you guys were in-laws, but I didn't know in what capacity, like who's married to who. So maybe you could give me a quick summary of of the in-law situation for sure so caleb is married to mckamey he loves her and no one else has a child with her who is how how many weeks five Uh, six weeks old five six six let's go with six and so we don't know if that's accurate but that's what we're going with and i am married to caitlin who and we have a baby that's about to be eight months old and they are sisters they grew up together in the middle of nowhere north carolina and Caleb emigrated from Texas, and I moved from Virginia. 
Okay, got it. That's helpful. So it's the wives, their sisters. The, the wives, not the sister wives. Sisabus. Exactly, whatever that means. And perfect. See, this is why Lauren, great, super personable, winsome. I can ask her ridiculous questions, and she's going to roll right with him, pretend like she knows you. It's good. All right, so we'll dive into the, the meat of this, if we will. So as we mentioned at the top, and as anyone who's listened to us, and actually, you know what? If you're going to share this with people, there's going to be new people listening, hopefully. So to restate, uh, our whole thing with underqualified thoughts is that we jokingly made that name so we don't get canceled. Because if we say something ridiculous, we're just like, oh, whoa, these are just our thoughts. Leave us alone. But more seriously, um, both Caleb and I were transitioning jobs at the same time, as well as both of our wives were pregnant. Um, and we weren't just transitioning jobs. We were jumping to new career fields. And so we felt underqualified in our job search, like on the weekly, if not the daily. We definitely felt underqualified, you know, helping our pregnant wives knowing that a baby was coming. And then in the midst of all of that, for whatever reason, we decided to start a podcast with no training <laughs> or any plan of what it was going to be. So that's our trifle. That's our table of underqualified things that we have going on right now. And so we've decided recently to start interviewing more people because we are under the impression that it's the human experience to feel underqualified. So the meat of the stories that we're going to get into are where you felt underqualified in life and how that shook out, whether you realized you were underqualified, overwhelmed, and you backed out, or you felt underqualified and then you just started doing it. And then all of a sudden, before you knew it, you were a pseudo expert in that field. So... The first one you have on the list is living and serving overseas. I know a little bit about this, um, which is really cool and exciting because you did it through Crew. Um, you know, you've been with Crew for a decade now, but you're about to transition out. So let's hear about what it felt like to be underqualified living and serving overseas. Yeah. So for your listeners, for all of your listeners, um, Crew as an organization is really missional. Like the idea is that you bring the gospel to college students for the sake of then the gospel going out into the nations. Like college kids will go into the professional world and they will then be mobilizing. And anyway, it's ultimately for the sake of the gospel going to the nations. So when you join staff with crew, like I did, they are always encouraging you to consider serving overseas for a year, two years, or sometimes then people serve longer term. So this had been on my heart for a long time. And eventually after COVID, well, really it was during COVID that I decided I was going to actually make the transition. I moved with two of my best friends to the Middle East to launch a campus ministry there. And what that looks like... Um, I guess it looks a little bit different depending on where you go. For us, we were teaching at a university and then kind of doing some underground work, sharing the gospel and trying to build a ministry that way. The reason that I say that I was underqualified for that work was because I was. Um, I think that I had in my mind after thinking about and maybe romanticizing overseas mission work for so long that it was going to be easier for me I think I had the impression of myself that I'm a very flexible person, that I can kind of withstand uncomfortable situations, that spiritually I was really strong and put together. And moving overseas is such a radical, uh, just 
just shaking of the foundation of who you are as a person. And so I was thinking about this when you asked the question, I'm like, oh my gosh, like the culture, you know, you read a book about a country that does not help you to understand the depths of what it means to be in someone else's culture, the language, um, the spiritual warfare was massive, just teaching, you know, I didn't, I had never done any kind of formal classroom teaching before. And suddenly we're basically like college professors teaching English at a university. So yeah, underqualified is probably like the simplest way to say that we were in way over our heads with it. And I think that that's just how overseas missions go. A lot of times you just kind of figure it out as you go. But I thought that I was going to be a lot better at it. And I thought that it was going to come a lot more naturally than it did for sure. So every, every time you do a one-year assignment with crew, then you come home for the summer and raise more support. So I came home to raise more support with the thought of going back. And then a whole bunch of stuff happened. It's like too long of a story to say on this podcast, but a bunch of things happened. And kind of at the last second, I wasn't able to go back for the second year. And so, um, how recently was that change? A year ago? I, yeah, a year ago around this time is when I came home for the summer. And this is this is definitely let's see, to use the business term. We're going to circle back offline, because what's fascinating for me, um, Caitlin and I get your letters, so we hear about what's going on. But we moved a year ago, and so like our letters, like something happened for like two months. We didn't get them because we moved, and so literally for us, it's like she she's over in this country. She's doing amazing things. Like she's coming back home to prep. And then all of a sudden, two months later, we get a letter that's like, as you guys know, I told you guys I'm here now. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> like, ah, what's going on? And like, for like life being the way it is, like I like got distracted and then I never reached down to you to say like, okay, what actually happened? Um, sure. but we need to put a pin on that. Just like the text that you're going to send us about your third truth or your actual truth. Um, we're going to come back to this one <laughs> yeah. later. Um, okay. but I, I can relate to what you said there too. Like, I feel like it was a big blessing for me as if you remember, I went on a short term, uh, mission trip in college to Botswana, which mm-hmm. I'm allowed to say, cause they're a Christian country, uh, or well open to it country. Um, but I was originally going to go to Australia with Grayson, another one of our friends. And then last minute. Uh, James, who was leading the trip to Botswana, was like, hey, we need more dudes. And looking back on that, I feel like, because Australia, the way they talked about it, is a very dry, dead spiritually country. Um, And like, so their time over there was like hours upon hours in prayer and just like talking to people who weren't interested in talking to them. And versus I ended up going to Botswana where like it's super religious whether it's like christianity or some african religion like everyone believes in a higher power and spiritual beings you know not everyone but the vast majority of the culture and so i look back on that and feel like i would have had an experience similar to yours that would have like at my point in my faith like i you know whatever i don't know what would have actually happened but it felt like it would have rocked me a lot more than going to botswana in a culture that was more open to it so Mm. is there anything like Anything in particular you walked away with, like, like going there thinking you were over underqualified, or I guess you you mentioned that you thought you were going to be good enough to do it. Like, so what kind of was your big takeaway from that of like getting kind of like slapped upside the head with a two by four to realize like I'm not as good as I thought I was. 
Yeah, that's a great question because anybody who's in full-time Christian work, it's always this back and forth between feeling like an imposter, I guess. Like how how am I this broken, sinful, normal person in this position of spiritual shepherding over these students? I think pastors probably relate to that. You know, you have this sense that I I need to be a professional Christian, um, not just outwardly, inwardly, and and that's a hard that's a hard pressure to carry around. Like, I think nobody would ever validate that. Everyone would say, "No, you don't have to be that. You don't have to do that." But when you're sitting down leading a Bible study or leading a discipleship lesson, and you, if you have sin in your own life, like things that are kind of ugly and hidden, uh, you know, it's just a really wretched feeling. I think to to feel like you have to play any kind of part. And so I always kind of go back and forth, or I did for the years I was in crew and on staff, with kind of putting on this confidence or feeling really insecure. And I think a lot of people do that to just kind of get through the reality that people are looking to you for spiritual guidance regardless of what your life actually looks like. And it's great pressure in some way to keep you really on track spiritually. You know, you have a ton of accountability in your staff team. You're in the word all the time. But, you know, we know that uh, the the work of the Holy Spirit in your life is some, it just looks different. And sometimes pulling up things that are really hard. Sometimes you feel like you're cruising. So with going overseas in the world of crew, it, that's kind of like, at least in my mind, I'll speak for myself. That's kind of like the pinnacle. You're like you know, you're like doing mission work, right? And you're going to an unreached people group in the Middle East, this kind of like dangerous area. And so there's something about that that feels like you feel like if you're the kind of person who would do that, like that you must be capable, like you must be equipped for it. Um, and I think there was a level of confidence that I gained just from raising support to go and having people tell me, oh, that's so amazing that you're going. That's so courageous that you're going. And, you know, I don't know. I think that I kind of, I don't want to say I was puffed up, but I went over there feeling confident. Like, I know this is what God's calling me to do. I don't feel afraid. I feel like I just felt like spiritually I was so short up and ready. And there's something so disheartening about getting to an assignment and feeling like I'm not even who I thought I was. Like, it's not even like I'm performing for other people. Like, I truly thought I was going to be a star here and like thrive and I'm going to learn the language so fast and I'm going to eat everything and, um, I'm going to be a great teammate. I'm going to really love the Lord well. I'm going to keep in touch with all my people at home. And one by one, like all these things just kind of start falling apart. And so I felt so disappointed in myself. You know, I'm like, wow, I'm really not who I even thought that I was. And so I forget what your initial question was with that. Well, you but answered I think it. That, okay, good, good. I, I, I'm glad for that. Um, but just the whole experience, you know, of, of kind of having to come to terms with yourself is a huge part of the Christian experience. But when you're on staff with a campus ministry or you're serving overseas and you kind of have to be on and kind of have to be spiritual every single day, whether you're feeling it or not, you come to terms with that reality a lot more frequently, which is good and hard. Oh, yeah. I definitely think there are, you're in more of like a, like you mentioned, like a pressure chamber with that since you're a professional Christian. So I think that like anyone from like lead pastor to, you know, 
director of a campus at crew all the way down to like the campus intern feels that level of pressure but i even experience it and i think that in like the corporate world like knowing going in there like it's amazing when i meet another christian there and they're like actually like professing believing and not just in name only because it's like boom i have another ally there's like someone who i don't have to as often filter what they're saying through the lens of the gospel to be like, should I not along with this? Should I speak up and say, mm. actually, I don't agree with that and like be more on guard. Um, and so it's cool to hear your story of like what I experienced times a million, a billion, whatever, uh, however <laughs> many people are over there who don't know. Um, but yeah, that's like, that's intense for sure. Um, do you want to ask your more? Oh, there you go. You're opening your mouth. I was just going to, it's not really a question so much. I feel like I have to look at her when I'm talking. So um, I was involved in the Baptist student ministry in Texas, um, and I'm assuming they're pretty similar um, in kind of their roles and operations and, you know, whatnot. Um, And so that's how I was able to go on a couple mission trips throughout college. Um, And one one of the things, and I'm curious about how this impacts other ministries like crew, um, so read all of this as kind of a question. Um, what I experienced was there's three types of people that exit um, like college ministries. Um, one is the person that's like on fire for the gospel. They're going to do mission work. Um, they, they, they just keep going. Um, and they're kind of lifers in a sense. Um, and then there's the people that... Um, they were really, really strong in college uh, with sharing the gospel, going on trips. Um, someone like myself that went several times short term, um, like literally just anything under six months. Um, and then they're still fired up about the gospel, but they exit and they're like, what's next? I mean, like, I'm, I'm not necessarily a vocational um minister in a way i'm not like a professional christian in that sense um and they're just kind of left in american culture thinking that i just waste all of my college experience because i don't know what i'm supposed to do professionally like i'm supposed to pay for my house and my food and my wife and whatnot you know what's next that was me obviously because i was like i have no clue um and that's where i'm emphasizing the struggle with college ministries um and then the obviously the third person is the person that is just apathetic (laughs) and they, uh, you know, they haven't done anything. Um, so I'm curious, like, did you experience that same type of idea? Um, is it the same throughout college ministries? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that is a universal, uh, I don't know, maybe I won't go that far. That's a really common struggle for us who are on staff with crew. We see that all the time where you can get students to come to an event. You can spray tan, you know, one of everyone's favorite leaders and then that draws a crowd and people think it's so fun and you can throw amazing events. But at the end of the day, you know, our goal on staff is to equip these students to walk with Jesus forever. And so when there's not a Thursday night gathering of 500 students, you know, do they know where to turn when they find themselves struggling with sin or when they've lost their zeal for the gospel or when they're working in an environment where their management is uh, opposing to Christian values. And more and more, I think, crew, and probably other campus ministries too, is my guess, 
are moving away from the kind of big production value and moving towards just discipleship. I know the organizationally crew is really kind of boiling down our strategy to evangelism and discipleship more and more. But yeah, it's so hard. It's so complicated and hard to actually shepherd students to the place that when they graduate, and they're still very young and they're stepping into this you know, big wide world, uh, it's very difficult to shepherd them into a place where they actually know Christ and love him and want to serve him. Um, and that goes for me too, even on staff with crew, you know, there's, there's just so many factors and more and more, I think the culture changing so much so quickly just presents new struggles every single year to graduates. So yeah, that experience, I've, I've seen that a lot. I felt that in my own life and I hear about that a lot, um, on staff with crew. Would that be a good time to transition to the next career? Before we do, I thought we could ask your more lighthearted question. When I told Caleb about what you did and a little bit about who you are, he immediately was like, does she want to have one of those tattoos? Does she have one of those tattoos? That have all... I guarantee. No, hold on. I'll give you like $10. I guarantee. We haven't explained. (laughs) Right here. Left arm. So, Caleb is a little aggressive right now. You don't have to show him your left arm. Hold on. Hey, let's let's give some context here. Simmer down. Her watch is on her right. So, I, on my right arm, have a a tattoo that just says 1024. It is all meaning, no aesthetic. And so, Caleb, when I started describing you, he's like, she has to have an all meaning, no aesthetic tattoo. It's not even has to. You do, don't you? She's clean. Oh, She's her, clean. Oh, Not a single the tattoo. Shame the egg on Caleb's Dang. face. Well, the you stereotype. Need you need to change that. Okay. I think that's why she left crew. They said, "You've been here for six years. You don't have a tattoo. Please leave." Yeah. Okay, well, then, then you're you're the. So I had a friend that went to the Middle East, and oh, cringe. She had <laughs> just just Arabic. Just probably a Bible verse of some sort, or like maybe a. I don't know. By the way, for everyone who's not listening or who's not viewing this, aka every single person who's going to be listening to this, when Caleb just said Arabic, he's pointing at his entire left arm. I mean, it was just cringy, and it, and she even like dyed her hair like to try to fit in. It's just you're pushing it to. So, so, so. Anyway, if to further can, emphasize, if you can understand Caleb feels very strongly. I do, because. And the BSM back home, and I'm not, I'm sure it was probably just our BSM, like super hyper, like evangelism focused. It's good. Like we should be that, (laughs) but we shouldn't be saying to someone, um, Hey, you person, um, student, like you've shared the gospel several times, whatever you're confident. Hey, you see that person over there, go share the gospel with them. Just like that puts people in a place of uncomfortability. Like, you, so I had someone literally tell me, hey, we're in the middle of the cafeteria, like kind of a dare, like go share the gospel with that person. No segue for the gospel. Like, and I get there's like st- tools and strategies and whatnot. This is good. But, but with certain people in certain places of the world, they almost feel obligated to go overboard with their like, I'm going to connect with everyone in the world sort of mentality. So Lauren, you might be confused by this but these hard lefts are very common with caleb hard lefts 
Yeah, so we were talking about Lauren potentially having an all meeting, no aesthetic tattoo. And then you just kind of had a therapy session about how you felt your arm (laughs) twisted to share the gospel. It's in the same ballpark. (laughs) So do you have any comments or thoughts to share with Caleb or should we just let that sit there? No, I mean, it's an opinion. I think that when it comes to fulfilling the Great Commission, you know, I don't know. I feel differently about it. I I think that there's... In, in terms of training, training students, you're not necessarily, you're training them to be bold. So you're saying like, I want you to go into your She's classroom and bold. think about everyone in here as someone who is lost and like become skilled at transitioning to gospel conversations. Now, would I necessarily tell someone to go like basically approach someone and share the gospel with them without any context? Not necessarily, but I don't feel as strongly that that's wrong. I feel like with whatever motivation you have, know, the gospel going forward is the gospel going forward. But that's my campus well, so ministry that, that mindset. Is that is true. I mean, that is biblical. Um, yeah, I just felt like my organization people, they're not my people, those people, just <laughs> super people. Um, like aggressive about it. Just too aggressive. Yeah. Maybe. Well, because it... missions. Love missions. I'm not hating on them. <laughs> Well, so I needed to help you diffuse this because you came across like that, but I know you're not. No, I'm, I'm What not. you're bothered by is some people who take things too literally and push you um, kind of for the sake of pushing you is what it sounded like. No, just beyond the point of need. Like, that's not how that works. What? Not every person receives just being punched. They don't. Yeah. And so so I, it's very interesting. In fact, most people don't like being punched, actually. The majority of people do not like being punched. Even boxers don't like being punched. But we digress. Um, So what's very interesting is I came out of crew, and I guess this is something we can touch on before we transition out, like we planned to do five minutes ago. This is also very common. We plan on exiting a point, and then we stay on it. Um, Is that I walked away from crew kind of with that mentality of like feeling very guilty that I wasn't super comfortable going and talking to a stranger. And, you know, the classic arguments you'll have with your friends who are in young life who are all relationship-based evangelism and crew is more like go talk to a stranger. And it was very helpful. I did the fellows program after, which Tim Henderson led. Last name said because he's a public figure. I'll allow it. Um, And he led crew at Penn State for like 20 years and was on staff for even longer. And he made a very good point because we that kind of came up. Not everyone in the fellows program did crew. And so he does a month where he talks about evangelism, specifically about what it's going to look like post-college in your career when you don't have, you know, you're not hanging out with people till 2 a.m. So what does evangelism actually, can it actually look like? And he said, so this is all obviously his opinion and not, I don't think, crew's statement. But he taught his staff members, he's like, we are not going and sharing the gospel with strangers with the intent of them accepting Christ. That is like the benefit, and that would be so amazing if that happens, but there is statistically unlikely for that to happen. He said, the reason we do it is I need Caleb to feel comfortable broaching a conversation with someone he doesn't know and handling difficult questions so that when he's in his dorm room with his roommate at 11 p.m. and that guy's just broken up with his girlfriend and he's like a wreck or he's superheated and wants to just poke holes at Christianity, that Caleb is prepared to have that conversation with him well. Well, and see, that perspective is so much more mature than just go share the gospel with that guy. Oh, you don't want to do that? Shame on you. Ugh. Mm. 
That's, yeah, that's I see you, got. Caleb. I see you. I think that the tact tact is really important and also grace. Like if somebody doesn't feel like doing that, they, they can't be shaming. It's not. Yeah, I'm sorry that happened to you. Um, I'm sorry it probably continues. You can accept continues. her apology. At the um, organization. Oh. Like yeah. I couldn't do anything about it. I still can't do anything about it. Um, that's the thing that... And I'm not saying that I discourage people from joining those types of organizations. I'm just saying they have to be aware. Um, because some of the leaders in those organizations are, well, yeah, they're either like the hyper-emotional, you know, oh, feel, if you feel like it's a good time, then maybe you should and build a relationship for like 20 years and then die accidentally because you didn't share the gospel type people. Or there's like the opposing, you know, like, dude, the Bible says share the gospel, so share it and get over your feelings type people. So I, th- I think there's a middle point, and we were on the far this way of the, you know, logic. There's no grace. It was funny because my campus minister, I don't think he listens to this, and I won't be offended if he does listen to this. Um, he essentially found out that I was more in the Reformed camp of Protestant theology, and at the end of my college stint, and he was like, oh, wait, I didn't realize that you were reformed. Huh. That says a lot about you. That sort of comment. Because he's more in the... Um, not reformed? Not reformed camp. Charismatic? Uh, he that... wouldn't say he's charismatic, but he's more... Yeah, that way. Um, and so, anyway. He's more just true Southern Baptist. I mean, like, yeah. This is fascinating. This is probably one of the best tangents we've ever gone down because it actually has meaning and substance. And we're throwing out so many Christianese terms. You've used reformed. Lauren said wretched at one point. Like, we're doing... I'm like grinning every time Lauren says like a big theological word and then you just dropped reformed uh, Protestant theology. So for the casual listener, welcome to our life. These are some of the conversations we have (laughs) when we're not holding a microphone to our mouth. (laughs) For the casual listener, you know, the gospel is simple. Jesus is king. Go find him. Go love him. You don't need to know all this junk. (laughs) You'll get into it in due time. You just need to answer, is Jesus Jesus who he said he was? And then we go from there. That's right. That's right. All right. So speaking of transitioning away from complex, heady theology... This is going to be interesting. You're actually probably going to more complex, heady theology. The fact that you're going, I'm going to read this. I got the letter. I pulled it up. Lauren, beginning this August, will be teaching 8th grade Bible, ninth grade logic, and 7th and 8th grade girls PE at Veritas Christian School in, keep your location safe. Even though I just said Veritas Christian School, so they'll be able to find you that way. My bad. They're going to be studying Latin. I guarantee it. And then she will also be helping to coach varsity girls, volleyball, basketball, and soccer. This is like homeschool on steroids. <laughs> Caleb was homeschooled, which is why he can say that. Okay. I'll allow it. What, was she public schooled? Ask her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. Caleb oh, yeah. keeps, for anyone who can't see this, Caleb keeps looking at me and asking questions he should be asking to Lauren. Well, the, pro- the problem is you're holding the mic, so it's like struggle. Hold the mic then. Okay. Talk, please, about your experience <laughs> and like why are you yes. tra- transitioning all these things? This is weird. Uh, yes, I mean, like me missionary to like teacher, like who does that? Lauren does. Lauren? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, th- <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Caleb, uh, for that warm introduction. I, 
will tell you how this came onto my radar. It's really cool. So this past year, I came back from the Middle East, was serving with crew in Richmond, and my role was mainly with freshmen. And working with freshmen in campus ministry is really interesting because you're doing two things. One is you're kind of gauging what kind of Christian experience have they had in the past. So you're learning a lot about the school that they went to, the church that they grew up in, their parents' theology, all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, whether they're reformed or charismatic, all that good stuff. That's right. Do, do they know how to communicate the gospel? When, or do, when they say that they are a Christian, does that actually mean something? Or does that actually mean nothing? <laughs> so... Being in freshman ministry all year long, I started to become really burdened for high school kids because a lot of these kids that were coming out of Christian school or church backgrounds were really struggling with their faith. And I was discovering that part of that was lack of mentorship uh, in high school. And and for some of them, you know, just kind of watery theology all throughout their experience in in school or in church. Um, And I'm not critical of those spaces. I know it's really difficult to to engage high school kids with the gospel. But I started to feel burdened to engage with high school kids on more of a mentorship level. And so that was initially how I started to pursue coaching. So I actually coached soccer this past spring with Veritas. So I was on staff with crew and I coached soccer at this school as a means of just getting proximate to high school kids. And um, these are Christian school kids, but I knew from my experience working with freshmen at VCU that not every Christian school kid is, is really knowing what it means to, to walk with Christ. And so that was my first kind of stepping into the, the high school world. And I loved it. And I loved the challenge of it. And it was really different and uh, gave me a lot of new things to think about. And so when I saw on the website that they were hiring, I started to consider whether or not my experience with crew, um, teaching in the Middle East for a year, teaching the Bible, you know, for the last six years as my full-time job, and um, basically working to contextualize the gospel to different ethnicities and different orientations and different kinds of people. I wondered if that actually could help me to be a little less underqualified, <laughs> to use a double negative, um, for the role. So when the job opened up, did you hear that That's English teacher in here? Gracious. Less negative. underqualified. Whoa. Keep going. Unbelievable. I was, I was trying to get the name in there. But anyways, <laughs> that's how I heard about the job. That's how I got connected. And I started praying. Like I started praying, like, Lord, if you would, would want me to do this role, you'll have to do it. Because I don't have a teaching um, certificate. I don't have any kind of formal education. But in classical education, and I think in private school too, you don't have to have the same kinds of credentials. So they loved that I was passionate about discipleship, that I have years of teaching Bible, and, uh, and they, they thought that coaching went well. And so that's why they, they gave me the opportunity. So that's the backstory of that's my transition. Great. Caleb is itching, as you can tell, to ask you questions. But I just want to clarify um, things that happened here. Uh, less underqualified, we support it. I was laughing at it because you just you said you were underqualified to be an English professor, and then you just cited a double negative. So you sound pretty qualified now. Um, <laughs> and then when you were talking about your teaching certificates, in case anyone missed it, Caleb whispered in the microphone saying, "They're not worth it," because he has a whole backstory that they've heard about his teaching certificates. Um, now over to Caleb, who's holding this letter, it's not itching letter, it's to letter. ask. Okay. So this is your letter, right? That's my letter, yes. Okay, okay. so I'm going to ask you a bunch of like rapid-fire questions because I'm trying to get up to speed with who you are and what you've done. And some of this won't apply to teaching, sorry. But we're getting to the teaching. So 
Um, starting with, are you still supported by Crew, or is this like your last support letter? Yeah. So let me give a little context for your listeners. I, uh, the last six years with Crew, have been supported full time. So I uh, raise support. Uh, you don't have a salary per se. You you have people who support your ministry. So Andy and Caitlin have been supporting my ministry for years. Um, shout out. Thank you so much. And to all of my supporters, I write a letter every month or every month and a half updating. So the letter that Caleb is holding is my last letter from staff with Crew transitioning into my new role. So Crew, it, starting July 2nd, which is tomorrow, I am off of staff with Crew. And then I will receive a salary from the school and I'll no longer be support raising. By the way, Lauren's going to take her job because she knows how to give context to things. And we just say them and... Yeah. Move on, as if everyone knows. So, I'm still reading through this because I'm trying to catch up again. So, when did you serve in Texas with hurricane victims? When I was still on staff at Virginia Tech. So, this was my first intern year. We took a spring break trip to Texas, and we worked with hurricane victims there with the students. What hurricane was it? Oh, I don't know. So it would have been 2018? Yes. Yes. It would have been 2018. Okay. Um, In a town called Little Cambodia. I remember they called it that. Interesting. Spring breakers in Florida. I'm assuming this is like a beach reach type of deal. When I referenced big break earlier, yeah, you basically, we go to PCB, which is Panama City Beach, one of the worst beaches in the country for spring break, all the awful things that happen with it. Um, so Tragic. we would go down to what, what, what's, what's y'all's like what did y'all do evangelist just we, on the streets yeah we would go on the beaches um, and try and talk to the people who were sober enough to hold the conversation the BSM does like a, a van ride like thing you literally show yeah. up in like a church van there's like, a lot of people who like yeah. a lot of people flood to those uh, mm-hmm. to those Florida beaches in March okay so until the nets are full that's great Okay, so... You like that? It's yeah. so much better than sincerely or oh. in him. Yeah, in Christ. In Christ alone. Because he lives. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, this is going to be a big change um, for you. So, because... I, I'm getting the energy right now that you're about to be like a dad giving her a sit-down talk. <laughs> no, or someone not, who just, came out of just, So, just the context for you. I was homeschooled. I never, like... Public schoolers are evil and wicked and things. Yeah, we are. And then, yeah. And see, they do these weird peace signs and whatnot. And then, yeah. And then I moved here and I got a job in a high school. And it was tragic. Um, Public? Public, yeah. And it was a good experience, but it was mostly tragic. Totally depraved, if you will. Yeah. So, I'm glad that, well, in some ways, yeah, like, private or public it doesn't matter when you're sharing the gospel because or equipping because it's you know good but what is your greatest fear about going from i mean you're you're going from complete different to like complete different Hmm. yeah my biggest fear i have a lot of fears actually i think that my biggest fear is that I won't actually have the kinds of influence that I'm hoping to have. And that's not speaking to my ability to influence students. It's more so like the opportunities. Um, 
with crew, the heartbeat of the ministry you do is life on life. You know, you're spending time with students. You're their friend. You're kind of their therapist. You're their spiritual shepherd, all these things. As I've transitioned into thinking about teaching more, reading books, going to classical Christian conferences, things like this, I'm learning that as a teacher, you, I mean, verbatim, you are not their friend. You are not their therapist. You are their shepherd. And, and that is in the sense that like, you know, they are expecting order and, and structure, and they're going to feel safest in that environment, and you are to provide that. And so, you know, there's this kind of like warm and fuzzy campus ministry vibe that I love, which is your buddy-buddy, and you just kind of love them so hard that they start caring about what you have to say. And I think in, in education, I see that as an avenue, too, of loving them differently, loving them truly, and knowing them, and things like that. But my fear is that I won't know how to access their hearts um, without the avenues of like spending time with them outside of school. So I'm hopeful that I won't be so consumed with like content creation and the actual like teaching part that I lose sight of that vision to impact their hearts. But I'm fearful that I will be overwhelmed with all that I have to learn in my ignorance, especially Um, the first year. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. When's your start date? August 9th. Our kids in the building that day, or no? I think that's for all the new staff. That's when you start having to be there every day, some trainings and things like that. Wow. So can we can we can we like meet with her in like a year or like six months or something? So I have been thinking about that. If our the whole point of our show is to talk to people about being underqualified, I think it would be a really good idea to check in with them later. And be like, hey, remember when you like listen to this episode again? Remember what you were feeling? Where are you at now? So, do you want to book it? You want to book it now? A year from today? Reunion tour? <laughs> well, I would do like six months. Six months? Oh, yeah. Because because a year is like. Is Lauren gonna become like like those podcasts who have recurring guests that the fans love? Is basically like a third <laughs> member of the show. Which, by the way, if you didn't notice, she referred to being a teacher as content creation. So she already has the mindset. Yeah, she she's right. Ra- I mean, ra- I heard that word and I was like, she's literally like already there. She could have said lesson plans and she said, oh, I'm here to create content. Oh, I'm an influencer. If you have questions, What did you say, Lauren? I said I'm an influencer. Oh, yeah. That's huge. Love it. Bring her on the team. Bring her on the brand. Give her the underqualified slap of approval. Uh, what other questions do you have? So, okay, I'm still trying to conceptualize your life because it's just kind of a lot. It's so complicated. Yeah. Okay. So, mm-hmm. when, when did you, mm. what, what have you been doing for the past four years? Like, just, just really quick, just really quick. Yep. I was on staff with crew, serving on campus in Richmond. Oh, not, I won't tell you where I am because. You already did. Sorry. Okay. Richmond at VCU. I was serving there as a full-time campus ministry staff person. I moved overseas for one year, and then I served another year with crew in Richmond as a full-time campus ministry staff person. And I'm transitioning off, and in August, I'll start teaching. Eighth grade. So, is it a... You, she lives in multiple grades. Seven through nine. So, how high does the school go to? Like, is it high school included? Mm-hmm. Is it elementary as well? Like, is it the whole yes. deal? Okay. I should, we yeah. should research this. It's K through 12. Yeah, honestly, if we were to be good podcast hosts, we wouldn't be asking. How, how old are you? 28. Sorry, may I ask how old you are? <laughs> Dude, 
we went to college at the exact same time. That doesn't mean anything. That means she is within, uh, she's very close to my age. Well, I went to college when you were leaving. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah, you're young blood. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you're 28. The kids are like, so th- let me tell you what I've seen. And then okay. let me tell you what I didn't like. And I don't think you're going to be that at all. There's these, like, these people in education, public education. I don't know about this private deal. Veritas is like, I mean, I'm sure, is there, like, a choir and things? I recommend if there is. Absolutely, yeah. And they sing in Latin, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> I need a visit. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of, like, church choirs and choir and Latin. Um, but that's different. So they show up. Um, dude is like, he graduated from the high school. He went to a local college, maybe. He came back. He's like 25, 24. I was 22. Um, but you were a foreigner. Yeah. He becomes the soccer coach. He, um, he, he breaks up the fights. He's a, he's a young... Hot shot, happy go lucky, like everyone loves him. This isn't you, by the way. No, no, no this isn't you. I'm, I'm describing you're the teachers. You're not a hot shot. You're not going to break up the fights. You're not. <laughs> not uh, happy go lucky. Hopefully, in this place, there's no fights. <laughs> I mean, like, did if, you? Have, if there are, they're yeah. arguing about like theology. Yeah. Okay, and then and then like a year later, you find out that he's in some ways having relations with students. Why'd you take it here? I saw where you know you're what I mean? going. Yeah, because, because he because because this is his like his mo. Like he's building all this like sort of relationship nonsense at the school, and anyway, that's where they kind of head. That's what I've seen. It happened, but it doesn't just happen in the sense of like the most severe offenders. It's also like lightweight people. They show up and they're like again twenty two, twenty three, and they immediately become everyone's friend at the school. Um, and then all the kids don't really pay attention to what they have to say because they don't pay attention to their friends anyway. So obviously I think having that mindset going into it, like you're saying, um, is going to further, like, that'll really equip you so that that doesn't happen because obviously as soon as you do become their friends, like there's no stance for you to be able to speak truth into their lives. You can't speak any like hard, um, facts into, because my wife went to private school and, I mean, they still got away with, not her, but, like, her friends got away with things they shouldn't have gotten away with. Um, And if you're able to be that firm counselor type still, but firm, I mean, that's great. You'll be a fine teacher, too, Mm -hmm. because you seem like a good person. Yeah, that's helpful. I think even in coaching soccer, I I saw that play out. I saw myself kind of fail at that at first. And even though these are, like, middle school kids, just feeling like, I want them to like me. Like, I actually want them to think I'm cool, you know, and having to kind of like push against that. And if I could share an anecdote, one time I saw one of the girls who was probably in eighth grade, definitely eighth grade, um, make like a super inappropriate gesture. And I didn't, I didn't know if she saw that I saw, but I was shy. Like I didn't, I didn't say anything. Um, and I'm an adult, I'm 28 years old and I'm literally there to shepherd them, to point them to Christ. Like all these motives that I have for even being there in the first place. And here's a moment to actually do something constructive. Um, and I, I didn't do it and I was so shy. And 
because I didn't want them to then think, oh, I'm, I'm not kind or I'm not cool, really. So then I had to actually double back to this student in a following week and say, I, I'm so sorry. Like, I actually did see that and I didn't, I wasn't courageous and just kind of had to take ownership of my role as a, a real leader and a real figure in their lives. But it's actually harder than it seems um, to, to kind of take on that authority perspective when you actually do want them to, to like you. So maybe that's just me, but that's how I kind of became aware that that might be a weakness for me is, is wanting to shepherd them and guide them and disciple them, but not wanting to be in conflict with them. And <laughs> that's going to have to die. This is so, so interesting. She's like the opposite of me. She's literally the opposite. Did you tell? I mean, I, I told a kid, I said, I stopped him in the hallway because he did something inappropriate. I said, come here. And then he said, and I said, he, he, was, he was trying to be friends with me. And I said, you are not my friend. You will never be my friend. I don't want you to be my friend. Leave me. That's literally what I said um, in the hallway. So, yeah. I, and I don't recommend that approach either. Because, again, I think we are two different people um and i'm a very what's the word you are we talked about this we talked about this recently you are all in or all out i'm either all in or all out. and 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 that's like a fault of mine that's my fault like i just i chop them don't recommend that mm-hmm. strategy i think somewhere in the middle is really good and you'll get there yeah i didn't ever yeah, get there I, I had to leave before i got there <laughs> In campus ministry, and not to keep doubling back to that, but that's just been my life forever. It's so like your entire career thus far. <laughs> right. It's such a grace-rich environment, and the reason for that is not so people get away with stuff. You know, it's just the nature of the way that it works. You know, students yeah. are going to come to you every week sharing, I watched this on the internet, and I didn't want to, and I, I want to break free from this. And you're just constantly giving grace like and, and kind of seeking to not embarrass them. And that's... It's just so different than in, in high school. I feel like you still don't want to embarrass them, but you are responsible for them as, a, as an adult figure in their lives. Like, so it's just totally different. So that mindset is really going to take time for me. But I was given the advice to come in the first weeks of school, like as strict as you'll ever be with like, here's the order of the classroom, like, and, right. and not right. to, you like that? All right. First week. I mean, I mean, it really is. I don't say those words. We need to bleep all this out now. I oh mean, my so look, uh, I, that's this is good advice. That was really good advice. I don't know what policies that school has, but our school, if you want to call it a school, it's more like a babysitting club. Oh, I hope that none of the teachers listen to this. Yep. Oh, that's so bad. What yeah, number is this? There's so, so many things we need to bleep out. It does not matter that I said So, so they just they allow phones. They allow all the. Th- they allow language. They allow like crop tops that are like ridiculous. They, they allow everything. And, um, but yeah, week one, I, I don't know how to say it. Other than, yeah, just lower the boom. I mean, you, you've got You should be classical. You should have been in classical Christian ed. I really think you might have thrived in it. Just I, the I structure, probably, I probably the order. would have since I wouldn't have, have to deal with that. Yes. No, I think I'll she's network say- you if you change your mind. I think she's saying you would have thrived in it because you, the your coworkers would be on the same page as Everyone's you. Everyone's on the same page. And you're able, and the school will back you to hold the students accountable. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so this has been a great conversation, and we can keep going forever. Oh, are we at the time? Or We're not at the time. I'm getting selfish. I, have, I want to talk about the third point. 
I don't even know what the Bitcoin is. Um, but yeah, Lauren has been so gracious and said, "Hey, I can do it until this time," and so we're not gonna we're not gonna run over. What time is that time? Uh, don't let the people know. We know. We all know. We read the email. Read. <laughs> so, I noticed that Caleb uh, got to have his therapeutic moment earlier, where he was able to look at a campus minister and say, "I had campus ministers who hurt me." Let's talk Wait, about that. I didn't at, at that point in the conversation. I didn't really realize she was like a boss there. So. Just kind of a big deal. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. So re- remember, she is she's the top of the top. She went overseas. She's a superstar. She probably yeah, has her no. name on a plaque. I thought she was just like no. she went over there for a couple years for fun type of like missions, not like she's fun. there on staff mission. She had a good time. I she tried to go back. None of this has been offensive. Hmm. No, I got thick skin. Oh yeah, thick untattooed skin. Look, so embarrassing. That's why it's thick. The ink hasn't penetrated. Um, exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. The ink so. could not penetrate it. That's how thick it is. <laughs> I tried to get a tattoo and the Hello. gun broke. Um, the, um, so Caleb got to have his therapeutic moment there. When I saw the third point that you mentioned, this um, s- snowboarding trip to Canada, which we're about to talk mm. about, mm-hmm. this was like, you know how you have those recessed memories that you don't think about and then all of a sudden you're like it somehow comes up and you're just like wow i this used to mean a big deal to me hmm. so here's some context and if our friends who are on this trip as well listen we all know we look back and we don't remember things accurately so i could be back filling information that wasn't actually there but this is how i remember it senior year yeah senior year of college um Fun fact, big break happened, but not really, because PCB, um, the city, banned alcohol in their beaches because things had gotten too far out of hand. And so it was like a ghost town. It was already a ghost town our junior year, uh, and senior year was the same thing. Like, we expected to not be a lot. So I had gone on big break three previous spring breaks. I wasn't going to go this time. And there were a group of friends you know, the Tylers and their squad, like the seven to 10 of them went on like a cruise just to have fun. And then the group of y'all, like, so I wasn't that close with Ian in college, um, but like Drew and I were like tight. And so if I, how I remember it is that this snowboarding trip got planned and like I wasn't invited on it, but there's a very oh. real chance I wasn't invited on it because I speak very boldly. And so I probably didn't want to spend the money because I was a Scrooge with my money. And I also didn't know to snowboard. The only time I've gone snowboarding, I got a concussion. Mm. But I can guarantee you that when I saw the pictures and the videos and the content creation, Lauren had a GoPro back in college and she would film like everything uh, when she was on a trip. Um, And hearing the stories when we came back, I was like, man, I wish I had gone on that trip. And my spring break senior year was actually pretty like, like nothing happened. I had these plans. Like I was going to go. I was like, you know what? My friends are going on these trips. I'm not going to big break. I don't want to go home or just stay here in Blacksburg. I'm going to go drive around and like do a bunch of hiking. And I didn't do any of it because I hate driving. And I was like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm an extrovert. I don't want to go hiking by myself. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up just staying in Blacksburg by myself for my spring break senior year. And close your jaw. This is, this is six years ago. We don't need to feel sad for Andy. So I'm devastated. But this is like a part. I don't even think Caitlin knows this. More of a session than um, So with all of that, all of that background, 
no holds bar, say how fun and underqualified that you felt going to Canada mm. snowboarding. Oh, it was Canada. What? Unbelievable. What? It's just crazy. But she goes world traveling? Well, it makes sense because Virginia doesn't have mountains, but... We have snowshoe. Doesn't really count. It's like a hill. Yes, exactly. Right. Which is why she went to Canada. Talk. <laughs> First of Please. all, Andy, that is a heartbreaking story. I feel really sad about <laughs> so that. Cool. I'm going to let it... I'm it's just going to lay it down, but... We're fine. Um, Everything's fine. Okay. Um... So the way that this came about, Drew, our friend, is from Massachusetts. So he grew up snowboarding. And Ian, I don't know. No, he grew up skiing. Ian, I don't know where he's from, but he loves. I just need to pause you for a second. Caleb's not listening to you anymore because he's looking at me and trying to understand if he knows Drew, which you do. Drew was in my wedding party. He is the uh, super dark black hair, super thick black beard. Short, a little shorter. Also, he's from Massachusetts and is a self-proclaimed mass hole. I wanted to tell you that because I knew that would make you uncomfortable as well. Back to you, Lauren. <laughs> okay. So, Drew, I- I'm saying too many details anyway. Drew, Ian, and Katie are all very good at skiing and snowboarding, respectively. I, when we were sitting around the table, we're planning this trip, and everyone's, you know, pitching in and talking about where are we going to stay and we're going to buy these passes. We're going to snowboard and ski all day long. Canada where the mountains are big and beautiful and I'm all on board for it. Just like totally stoked on it. We're going to have the best time of our lives. So we make this road trip up to Canada. It's freezing cold and we prepare to spend many days in a row just like skiing and snowboarding our little hearts out. And so um, we get there and we kind of get all of our stuff, our gear on and whatnot. And we sit down on the first lift going up to the top of the first slope. And as like seasoned skiers and snowboarders, you kind of skip the, the baby stuff. You know, you skip the blues. You kind of jump straight to like the blackish, you know, maybe some greens or whatever. So we just jump right in. And it is as we are on the lift headed towards uh, the slope that it kind of dawns on me that I don't really know how to snowboard and in fact i hadn't been snowboarding since i was 10 years old and this i don't know what this is in this. me i truly and i feel so confident about things like you know it's it's a sport and i'm like i'm athletic like i could do this They're like oh if they can do this like why can't i do it it looks easy i feel like i can watch how people do it and just kind of pick it up. I'm like, I'm fully able to do this. I'm not going to miss out on this trip. And it just, it just dawns on me. And so I just kind of, you know, look over at Katie and I'm like, I've actually never done this before. I don't think I've ever snowboarded like in real life. And she's like, what? And they're all just freaking out. So then we just dumped off the, the lift and I literally fall off. And it was the beginning of what was a very painful and actually frightening experience of not knowing how to snowboard and like my I kept kind of sliding off of the side and Katie I had there was you didn't see this in the GoPro video that we made because we edited it to make it look like I knew what I was doing this I was amazing. holding on to Katie's ski pole and she's like pulling me off the side of the mountain because I was literally sliding down and then Drew like he could not even go slow Lee enough for me like he physically couldn't so anyway what ended up happening was at one point I was like you guys go like I'm gonna figure out how to do this by myself and so I went on a slope and I could not do it and so there I was sitting on 
my butt, scooting down the mountain. The ski patrol guy comes to me and is like, are you okay? Like, it was so embarrassing. And then I never, I never went snowboarding again on that trip. That was, it was one day. I was so sore. I was in so much pain. I was so discouraged and embarrassed that every day after that, that they went to the slopes, I stayed at the house and like ate Pop-Tarts and then watched movies and then made like the Katie actually made that video and you would never know. Cause I look, you know, she just put in all the footage from the first day. There are so many rabbit holes to go down here. The first and most obvious we, so we can just bypass is what, how social media is just the highlights of your life and not actually your life. The second one, which will also bypass is like, I am athletic until you strap a board to my feet. I can't tell you how many times in life I've said, no problem. I got this and then hurt myself. When I borrowed your longboard, I ate it. I never learned. I always wanted to. Yeah. I've always wanted to learn how to ride a longboard. So I rode it near my place downhill to go to like, this is how, this is how much of an adult I am. Like I'm going to try and learn how to ride a longboard. I'll ride it on the way to my dentist appointment. Cause that's what I'm doing in my life that I can ride a longboard too. I hit like a patch of grass and I get, I fly, dude. Like I fly off the board. Did I know know about this? No, you did not. And so I was just about to get my forearm tattoo and I was just about to have a daughter. So I was like, I do not have the capacity to break my arm right now. That's you sold it. Yeah. Oh man. I told you, I said, I'm too, it's not that I'm too old, but like my season of life, I do not have the desire to fall and hurt myself because one, I need to help raise Lily. And two, if I skin my arm, I don't get a tattoo. I have to reschedule because I have to let my skin heal. So that's a thing. That's a tangent. But so the, let's just dive in on the whole, like, it sounds like you didn't realize that you were underqualified until you like literally were right in front of it. Like almost kind of seems similar to your first story. You're like, I can go overseas. This is going to be great. And then you get off the plane and you're like, what am I going to do? Like, what am I actually going to do right now? Um, Mm -hmm. So, like, what are your, like, lasting memories for that trip? Like, obviously, you had embarrassment. You had, you, you, I can't imagine how many lessons that you learned from that. But, like, what is, like, what do you look back on that trip and think of? The trip itself was so much fun. We were freezing cold. Like, it was so unbelievably cold so we weren't prepared for that so that was just funny like you know when you're so uncomfortable that it's bonding like everything oh. that happens you're just like wait this is actually very hilarious yeah um, when uh when we i went a lot of oh, so many stories when uh when drew and a couple other friends of us went to notre dame to watch virginia tech play notre dame virginia tech's down by 17 in the first quarter and it's snowing <laughs> and we and then we ended up winning and i'll never forget that trip for my life so you're absolutely right that misery is bonding. Misery is bonding. And it was just so funny. Like, just the fact that I went on this trip, paid for it, paid for many days, didn't even do it. Like, we just had such a funny time. But really, it was the road tripping. Um, we just had such a, like, fun and bonding experience driving that far together. And as college kids, yeah, that was one of the first trips I ever took that was just with friends, not for ministry. We're not evangelizing anyone on the ski lift. Like, we're just there to have fun. We're not daring anyone and... to just evangelize. To... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah but maybe that would be the, a good title for this episode is lauren light overconfident and underqualified because that is probably one of the main narratives of my entire life lauren light the overconfident but underqualified that has a ring to it it's nice we'll workshop it 
Um, yeah. But I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to do what all good journalists do and take your story and make a narrative out of it uh, to conclude here. Uh, the reason I asked, what are your lasting memories of that trip? And you did a great job of it is you just went through and listed like all of the things that are awful and embarrassing. And I just shared a story about how my senior year um, spring break was like a low for me in college. But I look back on college and say they're the best four years of my life. And Lauren looks back on this trip and says that this is so much fun, don't regret it, would do it 10 times over. And so I feel like without even trying to, this, this whole underqualified thoughts thing is writing itself of like, it's so scary, it's so intimidating to realize that you're in over your head but then it's reassuring to find out that uh, most everyone else is or they were before and that as long as you're with like a good community of people like it's going to be fun like mm-hmm. it's going to be a good time and you're going to look back on it and you'll have some funny stories that weren't funny at the time and you're ready to do something else again that you have like no clue going into it what it's going to be like preach boom stay humble well, and that's exactly what I was going to like just add is this idea of all this is going to happen again soon in your next season of life, um, both the pros and the cons, because it's going to happen. Work isn't always good. Work isn't always bad. Um, but to just reflect on the fact that you're, I mean, you're still here, like you've done good. Um, the goal of life is less about the, like the little particular moments that we encounter and more about, well, I mean, it can be, but like the whole picture of were you faithful throughout the whole thing. Mm. And I'll throw another preachy thing at the end and then we'll give Lauren a soapbox to preach at the end if she wants. Um, Something that I've learned a lot um, going from the black and white of college and like just black and white of like I pass fourth grade, I get to go to fifth grade. This happens, this happens, this. And then you graduate and you're like, oh, what the hell am I going to do for the rest of my life? Like literally there's no playbook. Caleb's uncomfortable that I cursed. Well, we'll circle back to that another time. BSM boy. <laughs> um, <Calm down. laughs> um, so this is obviously from a Christian perspective, but even in a non-Christian perspective, we believe in common grace. So um, there's so many times in my life where I have been overwhelmed. And, and I've realized recently that I'm getting overwhelmed because I think that I'm experiencing something that's different than anything I've experienced before. But if you're able to take a step back and realize like God was faithful and putting me in the family that he put me in and getting me into Virginia Tech where I was able to have good mentors to get me into the fellows program to then help me land a job in Charlotte where I found my wife and now have a kid. Like there's literally like fingerprints or if we wanna get that, um, that cheesy footprints in the sand uh, analogy going here. Like there's clear indicators that anytime something has come up in my life where I don't know what's about to happen, it's like overly abundant when I look back that like God had already prepared it and he was going to qualify me once it came time. And so Mm -hmm. like I can feel super overwhelmed about what it's like to raise Lily and then what it's like to raise Lily and another kid. And then what if we had another kid? And then what happens if we have to move states for a job or we have to like whatever like anything that life can throws at you like basically my soapbox that i want to stand in is like you're going to get really overwhelmed if you think you run if you run into a lot of unique circumstances that 
no one else or you haven't experienced before. But if you can see the commonality in them, you'll understand that like the fact that you didn't know how to snowboard and went on a snowboarding trip is the same thing like you've never taught ninth graders and now you're going to teach ninth graders and you've never been any number of things that are going to be titles that you'll have later in life. Mm, that's good. There's my soapbox. Lauren, do you have a soapbox you want to stand on? This has been such a rich conversation and... I think it touches that's on the one. reality that we... Caleb and I just looked at each other. As soon as you said rich conversation, we're like, that's another one. Yeah. That's another Christian term. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, well, it really has. I feel like when you are a Christian and you're spending time with other Christians, I always leave those spaces feeling like I've learned something. And what all of this has kind of made me think of is just God's faithfulness over the years. Like, I think as a young person, I was very, very conscious of my image and, and kind of manipulating the world to put myself in the right positions to meet the right people and to appear a certain way to everybody and just was um so intentional about everything that I was doing for the sake of appearing a certain way and I think that there's something that's so humbling about walking with Jesus over the course of many years through different transitions and there's something that's so important about going from like you know, we, we spoke earlier about in the missionary world, you know, going to an unreached people group and doing this work to then being so humbled to the point that I didn't even want to leave. I had to leave. I'm placed back in Richmond. Like just and it's not necessarily that God was opposing me and trying to like punish me or something like that. But just the reality of how important it is for us as believers to be in positions where we're not the expert. Uh, to for me as a 28 year old to sit in a classical Christian education conference and feel like embarrassed by how little I know or to have to be so humbled and, and asking questions of everybody that I want to sit and talk to Caleb you know about his all of his experiences like just instead of always trying to appear like we are qualified or trying to present like we are um, just like the beauty that comes in living in grace when you accept the fact that we all as a human race are are truly not anything special and I think that's like uh, maybe not true in some senses but just in in the sense that we're all we're all out here together Ecclesiastes like there's nothing new under the sun you know we're just here running this race together so anyway yeah that's my soapbox stay humble get low and be honest and ask questions there we go that's what we like to hear Caleb was floored by that at the end she was prepared but yeah, I totally get what you're saying. We're not special in the sense that we're not the difference maker. Like we're here that's right. getting stuff done, which that's a plug to, that's the reason I have an astronaut on my arm. But that's a whole nother story for another Ooh. day. Um, we are already a minute and a half over time. You're not getting that minute and a half back in your life. So we just want to say thank you for coming on here. Thank you for articulating yourself so well, um, patiently waiting while Caleb and I pass a microphone back and forth to each other. and vent about sad parts of our lives and for letting us basically guinea pig you by learning how to interview someone especially via facetime from a different city in a different state yes you're welcome thanks for having me on it's really a gift and a joy oh yeah caleb also looked at me when you said intentional earlier yeah what am i supposed to say you know that's all i know <laughs> come on she speaks the language what's she supposed to do just stop <laughs> Fully indoctrinated. There you go. Speaking of just stopping. Ah, I missed those hard cuts. 
Caleb shouldn't have trusted me to hold the microphone and he definitely shouldn't have taught me how to edit the podcast because now I'm going to have some extra creative liberties outside of the nonsense that I spout from episode to episode. Thank you for listening. If you listened all the way through, we really appreciate it. And if you just skipped through the parts of the conversation that were a little dull and you came to listen to my outro at the end, I do appreciate that. If you're looking to connect with us more, we're building out social profiles. On Instagram, it's at Underqualified Thoughts. On LinkedIn, it's Underqualified Thoughts Podcast. And our email is underqualifiedthoughts at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Peace.